everyone and welcome to another edition of Behind the Mic, a vent music podcast series hosted by me, Freddie Cocker. Each pod, I check in with artists across different music scenes in the UK and beyond. We talk all about their musical journeys, their artistry, and most importantly, the person behind the mic. In this edition of Behind the Mic, I'm checking in with an artist, producer, sound engineer, and good friend of close friend of the pod, Claudia Van Nimwegen. Tobias Frey started his musical journey being inspired by music icons like The Weeknd, particularly his seminal album and mixtape, House of Balloons, and started producing his sound closely aligned to that, before he developed a desire to craft his own sound as an artist and ventured out into Afrobeats, specifically Afro Chillwave, which artists like Burner Boy and Wizkid have influenced. In this episode, we discuss that music journey and why he made that move from traditional US R&B to African-influenced music based on his Nigerian heritage. We talk about stage anxiety he developed and how he is trying to overcome it and get back into live performance, the musical process he has gone on to love himself, we talk about music perfectionism culture or comparison culture, the impatience that some young artists have and want for instant gratification and also music production burnout. For Toby's mental health journey, we discussed the impact that the death of a childhood friend had on him in 2014, and that period of grief which led to a mental health breakdown in 2017, and in his words, his world collapsing. We finished by discussing how he came out of that dark period of his mental health, how he put his mind back together, embraced himself warts and all, and became confident about opening up about his mental health to the point where he is now talking to me on this episode. This was a fantastic conversation and I'm so grateful to my friend Claudia for helping me connect with Toby. I'm sure you're going to love it. Me and Toby had very loud energy levels, so I've had to turn down the levels even more so than I usually do on this episode. So get yourself comfy and have a listen as I go behind the mic with Tobiah Frey. Toby. Welcome to Behind the Mic, bro. Thank you so much for coming on and letting me check in with you. We had such an extensive and deep chat off air that I I knew this was going to be a great episode. I knew it was going to be filled with music nerd conversations and what have you. So how are you getting on? And thank you for coming down to my flat in London to see me, mate. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. And I've been thinking about this moment. I've been talking to friends about it as well. So listen, I'm so excited to do this. I actually spoke to a stranger on the way here about like, oh, I'm coming to do a podcast on mental health, man. I'm really excited. This Freddie guy's oh, doing great work. Bro, so, I'm yeah, blessed. Yeah. I'm yeah, blessed, no, I'm man. Excited. I'm also very blessed to have my first Afrobeats artist on behind hey, the mic. Hey, and hey, anyone hey. who knows me knows I've pretty much seen all of the Afro swing scene that basically exploded in the mid 2010s, you know, the likes of Huss, Kojo Funds, mm. Bane, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a scene I'm very much a fan of and you're bringing a new twist to it, which I really like as well. So without further delay, are you ready to start the show? <laughs> Let's do this. Let's start my Behind the Mic series as we always do, Toby, by talking about your music journey. So I ask all my special guests this question first on this topic. Tell me and the listeners how your love affair with music started. Who are some of the favourite artists you listened to growing up? What impact did they have on you? And when did you first start singing, playing instruments, producing, or a bit of both? I felt like the journey started when 
me and my mates, we just downloaded like a version of like Fruity Loops. <laughs> yeah, this version of Fruity Loops. <laughs> we, we would say how we got around to it. Download this version of Fruity Loops. And honestly, we were just like having the most fun on it. It was crazy. Like we didn't know what we were doing, but we were just playing around on it. After school, he'd get his laptop out. We'd make beats, record. I feel like that's the first time I was just like, you know what? This music thing is actually giving me life mm. they taught us music in school but it wasn't exciting mm. until i started like, dj dj yeah, oh, oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> and i started doing it for myself i was just like yo this is lit i can do this like i mean like obviously like we were awful but that wasn't the point it was just the fact that we were doing something that we loved and you know we would be doing anyway regardless of whether there was like success involved or whatever i feel like that's when i actually found that you know this was something that I genuinely loved and I could do, you know, for life because mm. it was the, Did the music that... bug hit you straight away then basically. A little yeah, yeah, a little bit, but I wasn't brave enough to mention that it hit me straight away. Right. I, I, was, right. I, was, just, I was just doing it, but I wasn't mentioning like, hey yo guys, I might I might I might do a career in music, you know. I was just <laughs> I was playing it cool. I was playing it cool. People like, have got on to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, you listen, I don't know how I don't hey, know. Hey, what's I'm your stage then, bro? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, no, honestly, you know, playing around with it, you know, making music for fun for myself making that bedroom music kind of vibe. And until like right before my first year of uni, I heard The weekend's House of Balloons mixtape. It's on my shelf, you can see it. Yeah, oh wow, yeah. Well, check it out. Yeah. And anyone who knows me knows that I tell that to everyone, like my brother knows. Because my brother's the one who actually introduced me to The weekend. He said, check this guy out. I was like, yeah, I'll call, check This it was out. when he was more mysterious, wasn't he? Yeah, he wasn't doing interviews. He had no pictures. Yeah, yeah. yeah, people were trying to find him on Tumblr. Yeah, it was that <laughs> moment. Yeah, Tumblr era, man. And honestly, like, I listened to his House of Balloons big save. And I didn't sound so cliche. It changed my life, dude. I've heard great music, but I've never had music that made me feel like that. I heard it. I was like, straight away, I was like, I want to make people feel like this. <laughs> like, this is it. Like, I have found my purpose, right? Like, so that was really when I was like, okay, boom. I feel like I have a direction or at least I have a feeling of like, want my music to, you know, how I want my music to impact people. Mm. And I think that was like the springboard of how I then switched up like my production my writing started to work on like composing you know structure the actual the professional th level theoretical yeah. sides yeah. of making music not just like turning on the mic and having fun I was like okay you're not actually like writing a structured song composing learning about chords learning about all those things learning about music theory I started playing the guitar started playing the guitar around 17 18 started quite late but you know here we are <laughs> but yeah no that's really why i got in so i'd say he's my first influence i'd say here the producer who produced a lot of songs on that album elangelo he a big influence one of like mm. when i look at producers i'm like up there he's, he's up in there the he's me. in the list yeah he's yeah, up yeah, there yeah. he's probably number one kanye number two Ooh. kanye number give two give me your top five give me your top five. Ooh, top five okay top five producers we're talking yeah. all time here all time. time. Yeah, all time. Wow, okay, bro. This is, okay. Uh, so we can, include, we can include Timberland in here. We can include Pharrell. You have to. I grew up on Timberland and Missy Elliott, man. Honestly, like, so Timberland's number four, actually. So, um, Elangelo, Kanye, Pharrell, Timberland, and Quincy Jones. Oh. <laughs> That's a, bit, a strong top it's a five. Bit, it's a bit disrespectful to Quincy Jones, but number five. Like, that guy produced, like, Thriller, dude. But, like, oh, I mean, wait, Quincy, Quincy Jones is five. Quincy Jones is I five. I thought he was one. No, oh, he's five, bro. I'm sorry, he's five. Oh. I know. Quincy Jones, if you're hearing this, I'm sorry, man. I respect <laughs> your legend, but listen, hey. <laughs> so, who breaks the top 10? Like, Flying Lotus? Ooh. Thundercat, uh, people like that, or? Um. 
40. Drake's producer. Mustard. 40, yeah. 40. Yeah. yeah. Mustard, not that much. I mean, honestly, I like Mustard's work. Scott Storch. Scott Storch. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's there. He's there. He's there. Somewhere. Okay. Maybe eight. What nine. about what about uh, someone like Swiss Beats? Ooh, I grew up on a lot of Swiss Beats as well. Yeah. I grew up on a lot of Swiss Beats. Swiss Beats was doing things, man. This is what I'm saying, man. The more you look into it, the more the you more, go. Yeah, yeah. Boy Wonder as well. He's yeah. there for me. Like, Red I One. Love... Red One made a lot of hits. True. mid noughties You're making it so difficult now, man. Mate, we could go on a, we could go on a massive <laughs> tangent for like two days we on could. this. I've got to get back to the running <laughs> order. like a pie chart, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell me how you look back on that period then. Because obviously we get to sixth form university. You, you discover House of Balloons, but... How do you reflect on that just unadulterated period of fun and experimentation? I'm happy that I discovered that because there was a lot of people in the industry today who do music. But if you took a time machine and you showed them their future and they didn't make it as an artist or they didn't sell out or blah, 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 or they didn't make these amount of, you know, streaming numbers or hit these accolades, they wouldn't do it. There's a lot of people who are literally in it for success because I found the love before anything else before the industry exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. even now i would still do it regardless of the outcome and i'm so happy like i'm yeah. so happy i discovered there's I a lot of failed dame dashes in there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because i'm so happy like i went through that because if i had not felt that way i think i would have probably given up by now like you're not going to give up on something that you genuinely love like there was unconditional love for it you know, you don't have to be successful in it. It doesn't have to give you some kind of financial stability to do it. Obviously, we all want financial stability. But even if I didn't get that, I would still do it. One, I guess, contradiction you were very keen to talk about yeah. when it comes to this album, this House of Balloons album, when we spoke off air, mate, is the importance of having mentors in music, but not becoming obsessed or yeah, fixated yeah, yeah, by yeah, them. So yeah, honestly, just tell me how that played into your relationship with this album and did it end up constraining you a bit of both like i just spoke about the good side obviously but i feel like there's a good and bad to everything so honestly i think i became a bit upset not just that album i think i became a bit obsessed with With the sound the sound you know i was really studying and i thought i was doing a good thing really studying because you know you study the sound of your mentors and Mm. blah blah study the sound of people you look up to if you want to be better because that's what i heard Mm. and i know it's worked for people but like be careful not to like obsess because there's a difference between studying and obsession. And I mm. think what happened was obsession and with obsession came comparison. And I would say to people, and I think I also said to you that comparison is the mother of misery. It's a thief of joy. Yeah, yeah. honestly, it's yeah. a thief of joy. Like it's, it's, you know, it's, just, it's, it's a lot of things, but it's <laughs> not good. <laughs> Don't compare yourself because you are you and you're supposed to be you. And I think obviously me being an artist and producer, I was trying to sound not only produce like the weekend's producers like Elangelo. I was also trying to make my sound sound like him and make my voice sound like him, which is impossible because the weekend is the weekend and mm. to buy a freight is to buy a freight. You're never going to be someone else. You know, mm. you can't go and steal someone's voice. So I think that really affected me and I think it clouded my judgment and it clouded my uh, path as well because I was going in a path, but I wasn't going in the right path in terms of like trying to find my own sound. I was trying to find somebody else's sound and forcefully make it my own but you can't do that Mm. because at the end of the day your musical journey is your musical journey and your sound should be something that is cultivated from your own essence when did you become self-aware of that when did you come to that realization that you couldn't be them you needed to be you the only thing is it's not even that i was trying to be them i thought i was being me but it's now it's in hindsight i realized oh actually i was just trying to be these guys (laughs) that's really what it was and i think i would say 
2017, you know, mid-2017, when I decided to take a break from releasing music, I had two or three projects out. I deleted them from all platforms. Uh, yeah. They're gone. <laughs> oh, God. They're like, gone. My mates are like, hey, yo, your song's not... Yeah, like, mate, listen, it's gone now. I uh, literally deleted everything. I had two music videos out that my mate shot. Bless him. Like, he went through all that trouble to shoot a video. Like, we were in a forest at 11 p.m. It was dark. It was cold. You know, shooting a video only for me to take it down three months later. You know? <laughs> he I risked my life for this. He probably hates me. He, he seriously <laughs> did. Like, never be in a forest at 11 p.m., man. <laughs> yeah, so all of those things happened. And I think I took it down and I was just like, listen, you're not happy. The one thing that gave you joy you're not happy about that's when i really realized it i was like i wasn't happy making music the process wasn't fun and all of that and i know i get it sometimes it's like it's not always gonna be running through a field and in loving it but most of the time you should enjoy it it should feel natural it shouldn't feel forced and mm. i think when it started to feel forced when it started to feel more of like a project or like a deadline at work rather than the thing that I loved, I fell in love with, that's when I knew, okay, listen, it's affecting me. It's affecting my mental health. You need to take a step back because there's something you're doing wrong here. It shouldn't feel like this. So I think that's when oh, I'll say the self-awareness kicked in. Let's fast forward to university years now. So you decided against doing a music degree, largely because your mum and dad, you're proudly Nigerian mum and dad, proud Nigerian proudly parents. Nigerian mum and dad, came to the decision for you, shall we say. <laughs> Tell me about this experience. Do you know what? In hindsight now, I blame myself a little bit because I felt like, because I didn't really, not that I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't really have the voice or the confidence to say, okay, music is definitely what I want to do going into uni. And because of that, I feel like I let my mum mostly sort of just kind of decide. Mum's saying, focus on book. Mum said, focus on book. You know the Nigerian moms. It's a doctor, lawyer or nothing else, mate. What are you doing? I think it was also, it was really funny because that summer, I didn't mention this before, but that summer right before uni, I remember I asked my mum for singing lessons, right? By this point, it was already decided that I was going to do politics and international relations. All right, and nothing wrong with that, bro. I did politics as a kid. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, honestly, listen, hey, I have no regrets now but um i think so it was ready to decide i was going to do that but that summer right before uni you know you got time during the summer you've got so much free time you're not mm. doing anything i told my mom hey yo can i get some money for singing lessons she was like nah <laughs> what because i feel like that was the first time i'd ever mentioned like music or anything just explicitly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so i think she just thought this was just another phase or just like Something like he's gonna be done in two, like he's gonna. Not Bro, be the conversation in, two weeks. in my head is so explicit right now. So, like, did you get me? So, I think, no, I'm not blaming it. So, anyone who hears this and thinks my mom's like a hater, no, she's not a hater. She just, she just thought he's left. She just, yeah, yeah she yeah. just thought, why does he want music? It's out of the blue. He's never talked about it before. So, like, guess what she did? Instead of getting me music lessons, she got me lessons in Spanish, bro. She said, nah, go do Spanish Rah. lessons. You're going to be a diplomat or something one day anyway. You're going to need to know another international language. Well, at, least you, at least you didn't get you a recorder or something. <laughs> <laughs> Not the recorder, bro. <laughs> Not the primary school recorder. Uh, learning Mary like, Just do hot cross buns first. Move on afterwards. <laughs> yeah, so that was so funny. So here's me during summer, two weeks, learning Spanish, man. And hating every bit of it. It's just like, why am I doing this? You know? But yeah, here we are, man. But no, my mom's like one of the most supportive people now. Oh, amazing. Now that she amazing. sees, she sees Now she me. sees, she sees she, the vision. You know, it's been yeah, years yeah. on. I'm still doing music. She's she's seen like me grow and she's seen me make like a career out of it. Now she's just like, oh, okay. 
it wasn't a joke. Like, she's actually my biggest fan, honestly. Mm. Like, no, I love her to bits. She started giving you music suggestions. Yeah, now, put this, put this influence yeah, in. Why are you listening like, to modern it. now? Listen, look the old it's, school Afrobeats. She's sending me Afrobeats artists, man. I'm dying. She's like, mom, how do you even know this person? What are you doing? <laughs> no, nah, I love it. It's actually adorable, you know. It's actually adorable. I love it. That's so funny. I love that, so, man. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Tobias Frey, the artist, now in the present day. And we've spoken about your Afrobeats influences already so just describe your sound to the listeners who haven't heard you before and how did you actually make that transition from the US R&B chill wave Bryson Tiller weekend sort mm, of stuff mm. to this Afro chill wave sub genre you are now ensconced in mm. so I think obviously when I had the breakdown of the self-realization you know the deleting of songs of being super dramatic dyed my hair blonde <laughs> You know, because man went Phil Foden. As an artist, you, <laughs> as an artist, you have to do that. My friend attacked me once. One of my friends, she said, "Do you know what, Toby? Every time like you're going through something, you do something, you do something dramatic, like dye your hair." I was like, "Rah, there's no need for an attack like that." You felt I, seen. I, I, yo, she attacked. I was just like, "Listen, bro, like, don't chat to me again." <laughs> but she was totally right. I'm a bad dramatic guy sometimes when I look back on it. So that happened. You know, dyed my hair blonde. I was like, "Yeah, I'm deleting everything." And then I decided to go back to basics, learn more music theory, learn more music product, just, you know, actually fall in love with the simple process all over again mm. and not put a pressure on myself in terms of like making stuff that is worthy of a release or worthy of people listening. I was just going to make stuff and practice on being a better version. And hopefully I will find myself through that. And do you know what? <laughs> it did. It happened. So like... Obviously, my background being R&B and stuff, somehow that transitioned into my sound now, which I call Afro Chill, which is like my heritage of Afrobeats mixed with like R&B. So mm -hmm. it's just like this blend of like Afro R&B. It's like an Afro fusion kind of sound that's come together. So I feel like that sort of R&B wave that I had going on, I took some of those elements and put it with Afrobeats and that's how Afro Chill mm. was born. It wasn't short and sharp. It was a nice gradual it was sort a, of process. No, it was, yeah. it was a gradual process because yeah. there was a lot of trying to make it work, but it didn't work. On the production value side, I was like, okay, I know how I want it to sound like. I know, but I just need it to work mm. in a way that it's still me, but it's entertainment for people as well. So there was a lot of try. Honestly, my hard drive has hundreds of hundreds of beats and songs that no one will ever hear. That was me testing out and discovering this new sound that I had discovered, mm. quote unquote. Were you trying to break it at some points too? Just sort of how far you could go and then maybe row back in and then go in a different direction? Uh, do you know what? It was it, because there was no... I didn't really have any artists to sort of guide me on it as well. Like I'd say, oh, there's somebody doing this as out there. Mm. There wasn't really that at the time as well. So honestly it was all experimentation i'd go really crazy and pull back a little bit and i'd go in this direction and pull back a little bit it was honestly oh, just trial and error and really mm. but i think that is the whole point of being an artist mm. whole point of being an artist is like realizing that the world is entirely your canvas and just go crazy and there is no limits to art i'm glad i did all of that because all of that has led me up to this point honestly the painful parts of the journey of like hating what I'm creating, not liking it, wanting it to sound this way, but it's not sounding the way I want that, you know, just slowly discovering myself and discovering how far I can go as an artist and how far I can learn. I'm grateful for all of that. We've seen 
Afrobeats and Afro-inspired sounds just explode into the mainstream now, mm. as you all know, Toby. So, you know, to the point where an, an extreme example maybe. Justin Bieber put out a gospel-inspired Afrobeat yeah. EP about a year ago now, I think, or a year and a half. So where do you see the scene right now and your position within it? Oh, I think Afrobeat is, right now, it's in such an interesting place. It's like everybody wants to, like, get a piece of it. Just, like, two weeks ago, like, Selena Gomez was on a remix of, like, yeah, uh, Rama's, like, song. Just jumping on it. That's what I'm saying. Just, jump, just jumping you on it. you just got, like, Ed Sheeran and Selena Gomez. Like, people just jump. Like, all these, like, super huge global pop stars just jumping in Afrobeat. I love it, man. Mm. It's a testament of how far the culture has come. Because 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I wouldn't have imagined this. No one would have imagined, like, Ed Sheeran, like, speaking Yoruba on a, <laughs> on a track, bro. Like, that is so wild see, to say yeah, out loud. It's wild, but yeah. I love it. It's just, like, it shows you the power of music in total. But I would say where I am right now with the industry where Afrobeats is going is, like, I think I'm in a good place because I feel like Afrobeats is still... I think it's, it's still in its early stages of how big it can explode to. Like, no one knows the levels, right? I think it just keeps breaking boundaries and boundaries. Like, it hasn't reached its final form. No. It's, it's a, not Margin Boo. It's not Yeah, like, it's not... Yeah, <laughs> trust me, man. My man hasn't, like, reached yeah, it's not final elite, evolution. It's not, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. Like, I'm just as excited as anyone who listens to Afrobeats seeing how far I can go. Because I feel like also with Afrobeats, it's like, there isn't a limit. Like, there's so many influences coming in to, like... Like, this person will make an Afrobeat track and this person will make an Afrobeat track. And they will sound so different, but the elements of Afrobeat are still there. That, mm. I don't know if that makes sense. No, no, like, 100%. Like, it's just, there's just a lot of Afrofusion happening within Afrobeats. I, I, I love it. Like, mm. it's, it's like, yes, let's all be different. Like, let's all be in our own little lanes within this one big lane. Like, mm. I like it. So, mm. yeah, man, I'm excited. At some point in the pod, I always ask my special guest to talk about the mental health reality to take me behind the mic about being a semi-professional professional artist on the circuit that their audience don't see so you're a full-blown sound engineer in mm -hmm. your own right and you do music so mm -hmm. what can you tell me and the listeners here from your experience i think i told to you that you're working last night yeah no i was working last night yeah <laughs> come here tired when i was asleep <laughs> no but i think i was telling you earlier about my process in terms of like making music being an artist producer and mixing engineer a lot of my friends look at me and go wow bro you do three things in one like it's crazy it's super talented like i tell them honestly like there is a mental toll that it takes on you like being three people in one and but you've got yeah. the skill set at least because some artists ain't, ain't a mixer do you know what i mean they yeah, gotta pay yeah, people yeah. they gotta pay people for that shit yeah the skill set <laughs> is there but i think obviously every skill you learn i feel like you pay you something you pay <laughs> for like you pay forward you know but i think that's why kanye released one of the people who really stood out for me because obviously like he's also producer engineer artist kind of thing arguably a better producer before he was a rapper to yeah, be honest. yeah yeah so i so i look at the way he tries to balance his producer artist lifestyle it's the same way i try because i was saying that in the early stages i was having so many issues in terms of balancing being an artist and being a producer being an engineer that i was telling you i felt like i had three voices in my head when i was like you're giving a lot of horcruxes out yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man like Voldemort just out here three voices just giving them out like, yo, 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 one, one. yeah no it's because i had to like in different stages of like making a track or doing a project i had to like silence the other two voices if to buy afraid the artist was in lead position then the other guys had to be in the passenger seat and just like shut up and mm. like let him do his thing. And then when it's time for like 
Tobias Wright, the producer, to come out and do his thing. The other two take the passenger seat and like, and I felt like that has worked for me. That has been the best way for me to like work and like sort of get the process going because honestly it can have a mental toll on you because I also felt like, oh, because I was doing too many things at once, I wasn't progressing fast enough because mm-hmm. I felt like oh, I was looking at other people again when the comparison Paris, not big. Yeah. I was looking at other people progress faster than me because maybe oh they had their own producer they had their own engineer as so all they had or family was, connections in the industry yeah all they had to do was record <laughs> and then leave and then everyone would do the rest and the Encore Universal yeah. give them a link <laughs> <laughs> trust me <laughs> trust me man it's just like oh yeah so you see this artist talking about oh yeah, I can make five songs a day and I'm just there like listen I can't even finish one song a day because I have to do everything myself it was like but I'm glad I'm glad that I didn't give up on any of the skills and try and focus on one. I'm glad that I'm still here doing three things in one because I feel like it has opened up more opportunities for me in the industry. 100%. I've managed to meet some people that I didn't think I would meet. My engineering skills have helped me engineer for some really talented, famous artists that I didn't think I would. I just really embrace the fact that I stuck with all the things that I was interested in doing and I didn't Mm. give up on any of my skills. You've made it holistic. Yeah, yeah, I've managed to reconcile all three sides. Mm. Of That's a difficult task, bro. It is so difficult, That's man. A difficult it task. is, it is, honestly. I, I'm not saying I've got it perfect down to a T, but like I've got it enough to work for me, you know. Let's talk about live performance because when we spoke off air, it was something that you've perhaps struggled a little bit in the recent past. And you haven't performed live since 2017, which is Facts. five years now. Facts. So just give the listeners a little bit of context about the impact it previously had on you, as I obviously believe it was mm. a massive positive for mm. you. And then now, how and why you stopped, maybe how you want to try and maybe inch back in. Yeah. I mentioned earlier, like when I was in boarding school, uni, I love performing, man. Open mic nights, I'm there in boarding school like whenever we had like talent shows i'll be there we had this national autistic society charity fundraiser i made sure i performed i sang i rapped <laughs> i'm not even a rapper bro you know i was just like just chuck yourself in i just yeah, loved yeah. to be in front of the mic well behind the microphone and i loved to be seen like like my man i i'm very vain like i, mm. I love the attention i'm i'm a vain person or i used to be so obviously when i had like the whole big breakdown of self and I had like the whole mental, like I just had the whole mental breakdown and everything in 2017. Performing went with it, you know? I stopped being confident behind a microphone. I didn't get on stage after 2017. I wasn't more so, I mean, also partly down to the fact that I was still discovering my, my sound or what I wanted it to be. I didn't know who my, I didn't know what my identity Chicken was. Chicken before the egg sort of thing. Yeah, there. yeah. But also partly because confidence had gone. The confidence, that guy who loved to perform at uni at, in boarding school, like, that guy had gone and I had to find him again. So like, yeah, how did you, man. how did you find him? A friend called Roz apparently was quite influential. Yeah. Shout out my homie Roz, man. <laughs> Guys go check out Roz's music. Roz Queen. She's up next, but that girl is amazing. She's an amazing singer. But I've got like two songs of her. that are going to come out soon. Early next year, most likely amazing singer, super confident. She moved from Birmingham to London and straight away started networking. And within months of moving to London, she's been gigging a lot. She just did the um, Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. No way. Yeah, no, 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 honestly, no, this girl is such an inspiration to me, man. I don't tell her to her face because I know it will go to her head. <laughs> so, uh, if you're she's going to hear this like, now, bro. Yeah, she's going to hear this now. Like, I know it's going to go to your big head, but listen, 
you're an inspiration to me and I've told you this before to your face. I'm telling it to everyone. Like, she just, really helped you take your just, power back just, in the words of Rage Against the Machine. Just watching her perform yeah. has wanted me to get back into it. She keeps telling me, yo, you have to get back out there. You're a good performer. I've rehearsed with her a few times. Like, she's just like, oh, she's like, you need to get back out there. You've got the songs. You've got this, blah, blah, blah. You've got the personality. She's given me contacts. She's put my name forward in front of a few people, helping me get like shows lined up like towards the end of the year kind of thing. And I think like big shout out to her. Like she's been a big, you know, supporter yeah, ally. in terms of helping yeah. me get back into performing and stuff. You need someone like that to give you constant flowers. You do, do you know what I mean? In the you industry, you, you, need you, realize, you need that. You don't realize, you realize what you do, man. Cause sometimes, you know, you're the only one giving yourself flowers and it's nice to have it from someone that you respect sometimes. Yeah. So like, she's been a big part of helping me, but I think a big part of me going back into performing is now me just having confidence in my sound and knowing that, yes, I found my sound now. Because I feel like you can't perform on stage and give people the, what they want if you don't have confidence in you and you don't know who you are yet in terms of like your sound. So I think it's just more of now that I know what my sound is, Tobias Frey has discovered himself. Afro Chill is like, he's sort of figured it out. He can see it as clear as day. I can see my sound as clear as day. I don't know if I told you that. If my sound had a color, it would be purple or something. Did I tell you that? Oh no. So Prince. Is that Prince? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Prince, Prince Brandon. So yeah, every yeah. time I record, I've got like, a home studio, LED lights, I switch it to purple when I make music. Nice. Because I can only make music in that. I'm not, I, not I can, but it's like my comfort zone. Like, I don't know why, but my sound, I feel That's like- your my, happy place, as Happy it, Gilmore my, would Yeah, say. I just yeah, feel yeah. like my sound, the color purple describes my sound as chill. Sometimes, some people say sometimes, because I make a lot of love songs. Some mm -hmm. people say it's sometimes sexy, it's, it's love. So I feel like purple is like the best color to describe what my sound is. So I feel like now I can, the fact that I can, actually envision it as well like because you can achieve things when you can actually see it clearly mm. you know i think that's what has also helped me be like okay i'm ready to start performing again i can see myself you spoke there about toby the producer the sound engineer the singer songwriter so what outlet out of those strings to your bow you have what outlet has the biggest impact on your mental health oh hmm i would say I don't know which one. Uh, maybe the production side, okay. I would say. How so? Uh, is it escapism? Yeah. It has to be. It has to be. Production is my happy place, man. Mm. Defo. Like, and the thing is, I used to be scared sometimes of production. I used to set myself an unrealistic standard before I set off on a project. Or before I started making something that day. It was like, oh, if it doesn't sound like this at the end of the day, it's a failure. And I think that that didn't help. But now that I just do it, knowing that whatever I do is me and it came from me and it's it's natural and it's fine, it's just me. I'm happy with it. I've gotten back to loving production and just doing it because I love it. And these days, honestly, whatever I make, even though I don't end up really, because like every artist, they'll tell you like, listen, like for every five songs they make, only one is going to be released. Like that's usually the process, you know. I love everything that I make now. I love, they're all my children, whether I release them or not. I love them now. And I think that's also the difference between the person before pre-17 and post-2017. It's, I love whatever I make now because I think I see it from a different place. Let's talk about issues in the industry now. So we've already talked about comparison culture and a little mm. bit of that. I want to talk about the fact that you said earlier that you came to music quite late. You know, you picked up the guitar, mm. like you said, 17, mm. 18. Mm. And you call that 
being a late bloomer, which yeah. I don't think is a completely fair assertion to make. But I get what you're mm. saying because a lot of people start nine, eight. Yeah, you know, some child people prodigies, prodigies you know, yeah. people are like playing stuff at 12, six instruments at 12. Mm. I'm just there like, rah. So what's that G string again? <laughs> yeah, no, like I always felt like I was a bit of a late bloomer in terms of... Did you play catch up? Did you feel like you were doing that? Yeah, I felt like yeah. I was. And I felt like I had to realise, I think that all of those things as part of what led to, you know, like a this big mental health, like, breakdown, because putting this kind of unnecessary pressure on yourself and, like, setting your timeline to other people's timelines, like, listen, man, everyone's journey is different, everyone's timeline is different, you're not going to achieve things at the same time other people mm. achieve things, you're not going to learn things at the same time as them. It's not really about what time you learn it, it's about whether you learn it or not. Do you get me? Like, mm. at the end of the day, it's all about the realisation at the end of the journey, but, like, if you're going to be out here saying, oh, I have to have this by this, I have to have this by this, I have to have this by this. Life doesn't usually work that way, man. And you're going to be very disappointed all the time. And I think for a while, that's what I was doing. So I felt like I was always playing catch up, even with like production, learning things and music, like learning all the stuff I learned with like sort of engineering and stuff and learning in songwriting, just all the different processes that make me an artist. I felt like I started quite late. You know, so I always felt like I was playing catch up and until I realised, like, listen, everyone's time is different, man. Like someone's chapter two isn't chapter thirty. Yeah, exactly. Someone's chapter two isn't yeah, someone's chapter two. Yeah, you can't compare your chapter two to someone else's chapter seven and be wondering, Oh, why does my chapter two not look like that? Because bro, you're in chapter two, man. Like just <laughs> let the story unfold, then you'll be surprised at how far you're gonna go, you know? Mm. You spoke as well to me off air, and you've covered it a little bit already, which is music production burnout. Mm. So how did that affect your mental health when it happened? As you described to me, fair, it, it becoming something quite isolating, not just from music, but from other parts of your life. So right before, right before, you know, I had the whole thing in 2017, mm-hmm. I was like, cool, do a project, then another project, then another project, then another project. It was just about putting out music, putting out music. I was just like, listen, why am I not happy? Because I, I felt like that's what I had to do, just keep putting out music. But the thing is, Dude, you have to experience life because it's through life that you kind of get content to create music. But I felt like I was just always in my room. If I wasn't in a lecture, I'd be in my room making music, you know. If I wasn't, like, working, I'd be in my room making music. Kind of not seeing my friends, not even giving as much attention to my relationship at the time as well. Because it was just like, oh, music, 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 music. But it's just like, that's not a healthy... Life is all about balance. And I thought, oh, I was just being hardworking. No, you're not being hardworking, man. You just being your i don't know you you're distracting yourself so it was, it was almost like music was your identity but then it became too much of it and you therefore lost it that's literally probably the best that is the perfect way to describe it it's just like oh it felt like oh if i'm not a musician i'm nothing and the thing is you don't realize like listen you're not what you do you're a person you're who you are you're, yeah exactly you're a person you are a person who is important, who is valid regardless of what you create. So whatever you do is just what you do. You may feel like, oh, because you make art and that art is a reflection of yourself, therefore you are your art. Yeah and no, because take away that art, you're still a person who experiences life, who experiences feelings, who is, you know, worthy of happiness, life, love, experiencing whatever good things and you can't forget that because if you forget that then whatever it is you're doing will consume you and if you let it consume you then i don't know what to tell you bro like you're not going to end up where you thought you were going to end up Mm. Um, how do you avoid it now how do you avoid burnout now balance i give myself breaks i make sure i take time to show gratitude for a while taking where i am experience like life 
go out and do simple things, take a walk, go to the park, <laughs> do things that I love. I love football, play football every Wednesday with my mates from my church group. I always have this little anxious voice in my head telling me, oh, you should be working, you should be working. I've learned to quieten down that voice, you know, you know, it's because it's always telling me. And I know that I've learned to live with that voice. That voice is always going to be there. Mm. No matter how far I go, no matter how much I achieve, that voice is always going to tell me, oh, you should be working, you should be working right now. I've learned to quieten that voice and give myself a break so that when I go back to working on music, I'm feeling refreshed, you know, mm. like I'm a lot wiser now, basically because of experiencing what I experienced. Was it like one of those feelings in university where you have like a big essay due and you haven't done enough of it like you think and you've got that niggle feeling in the back of your head, like you're doing something nice and just relaxing. It's like, oh, I should be doing that essay right now. Literally, literally, literally. And I felt like it was really annoying because also with focusing on school, then I also wanted to like, I felt like, oh, I just have to get this essay done so I can then go and make music. What you don't realise is like, listen, you got to give yourself a break, man. You can't split yourself 50 union and 50 music because then there's nothing left for life do you get me like Mm. there's nothing left for you to enjoy life your friends your relationship your family what about those those you need to water those plants as well Mm. you know and i wasn't doing that so yeah the final issue you wanted to talk about mate before we reflect and we give a little plug to your latest single is what's happening with young artists at the moment in your opinion which is this feeling of instant gratification and authenticity And I guess this has always been the case with young artists in Mm. the industry to some degree. Mm. But just unpack this for me. What have you seen and what can you explain through a mental health lens? I would definitely say that, listen, guys, to any like young artists listening, like don't even think about comparing yourself to the artists that you listen to. Get inspired by them, but don't ever compare yourself because I promise you it will wreck you more than it will help you. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to your process. Like, you're not going to be the best straight away. You're not going to be as good as you want to be straight away. And I wish I had like an older Tobias Frey telling me that when I was younger because I was just like, I need to sound like this now. Why isn't my production like this now? Why don't I sound like this now? Why isn't it this good? Why isn't it this level right now? It's like, listen, because you're early in your journey, man. Like, and you need to go through this journey so that you can reach that stage because you can't skip stages or you're, you're not going to be. Do you get me? Like, you don't buy a video game and then start at the end of the game, do you? Like, you start. <laughs> Start a level Those one. Those speed runs, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah if you get all the cheat codes, like GTA, like, yeah, you can get all the cheat codes, but the um, it's in the name, cheat code, you get mm. me? There is no cheat code to life. You have to start at level one, you know, you got to start with that awful character who has no skills, <laughs> and then work your way through the game, and that is the part you should take the most seriously, because that is the most enjoyable part, it's the journey, because the journey will show you what you need to get to where you have to go to. The cues are all in the journey, man. So yeah, that's to any young artist. Like, don't be looking at your this all these artists that you look up to and be thinking, oh, I don't have what they have, or I don't sound like them, or like I don't have the level of production that they have, or I don't have the team that they have. Blah blah blah. It will all come in like due process. Just like back your own corner, back yourself the most, and keep doing like mm. trust your process. What do you think's causing this lack of patience? Do you think it's the proliferation of social media and streaming platforms where? Everyone has to be online. Everyone has to stay relevant. Everyone has to put out social music media every single helped. week. Social, yeah, social media hasn't. I mean, social media is obviously a night. It's a, when used correctly, social media is, a, is an amazing thing. It's yeah. a reach. It's people. a tool. Yeah. It's it's helped even the playing field between independent artists and artists who have labels backing them. Like an independent artist through social media can reach all his fans and can do all his marketing that way. 
I mean, AJ Tracy's the biggest example. Exactly, yeah. bro. Trust Stayed independent me, like, since the start. Trust me, Russ is another example. Mm. Uh, American Russ. Not American, right? yeah. <laughs> I've seen the interview with a UK Russ yeah, about, yeah. How, about what so, he signed record labels deals for. Yeah. Like, so like, yeah. But also in the same breath, it can be an awful thing if you fixate on it because obviously we live in like an instant gratification era that social media has helped to blow up to like ridiculous proportions everyone's addicted to instant gratification mm. these days and i think social media is one big major factor of that and streaming platforms as much as we need streaming platforms it's like streaming platforms they focus on numbers they throw numbers at you so they make you think numbers is what is important they bring their own politics as well yeah, you know exactly. you've got labels who are in more with certain spotify yeah execs. exactly you can get their artists onto big playlist yeah it's, it's not really helping you know and then i mean uh, you've got awards as well like i'm not saying listen awards you can enjoy awards and you can be proud of what you've achieved but don't think a grammy is going to validate you you are the or artist. even rated no offense you to rated, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are the artist that you are and your art is amazing and you are worthy regardless of if your art earns a grammy or not and i think like people don't realize that i feel like these days everyone wants a grammy everyone wants like a billboard everyone wants like this and that and if they don't get that they feel like they're not a good artist and it's crazy culture because you should be validated it's how your art makes people feel first and foremost is how you should judge your art Mm. you know how your art makes you feel are you proud of it if you're proud of it then that should be enough for you you know anything else is extra it's not the standard it's just extra you know the trophies are extra the numbers are extra all of that is extra it's not what you need to feel validated because if that's what you need to feel that you will never because you can always have more numbers you never feel valid do you get me you can always have more grammys it's endless Mm. numbers have no end numbers just keep going so if numbers is what it takes to make it you will never be valid because you will always say oh okay but i got one million i mean (laughs) two million would be nice and then you get two million and you'll be like oh but three million would be nice you will never be happy you'll be chasing the happiness that isn't there that's what I'd say, you know, to young artists, don't focus on numbers, don't focus on prizes, don't focus on social media too much. You don't know? focus on Yash. Yeah, no, don't focus, don't die for Yash, bro. <laughs> don't die for Yash. <laughs> Lesson number one in life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Before I ask my final question and we reflect on this music journey, Toby, let's plug your new single. Tell me the listeners a little bit about it. Oh, my new single. So it's called The Way You Do. It's with my homie, Director Z. Yeah, no, honestly, we were... So it's crazy. The Way You Do was actually... It was made around like a kind of like... Not a low point, but like the pandemic had just happened. I didn't have a job anymore. I was moving back home to Manchester, but I was staying at my mate's Z's old place in London before I moved back to Manchester. So I was there for like a week or two. You know, we were just chilling at home and then he just put this beat on we were like in the kitchen like cooking just making food he put this beat on i was just like oh this is this is cold do the mark rebier when he's like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if he's in the meme with the parrot or the parrot's yeah. like you hear the head moving yeah, you know it's just yeah. and i just started freestyling and i was just like oh yo and luckily because i was moving back to manchester i had my home music studio i had my microphone my interface my laptop with me so essentially i had my home studio set up there so i whacked it all out and just like that, we just started making the song in the living room and the song came together. It was like one of those things that just happens naturally where you don't have to force a vibe. The concept is coming naturally. Z wrapped his verse. I was like, oh, that's cold. Lay that down. Boom, boom, boom. The song was done before you know it. And then our other friend, Iman, who we went to uni with, 
she hit us up. Like, cold singer, by the way. Yeah, she's cold. cold. Yeah, no, she's cold. Like, shout out to her for doing that bridge on the song, man. She hit us up. It's like, oh, what are you guys doing tonight? She's like, oh, yo, like, we were actually just recording. What are you doing? She's like, oh, cool, sick, come to mine. That's what we, I took my laptop, took all the recording equipment over to hers. I wrote the bridge. She laid it down. I was just like, oh, this is cold. This is such a nice little element adding, like, the female just vocals going, mm. to it. Yeah, I was like, mm. I was looking at Z. I was like, we got one. Yeah. I, that DJ Khaled voice, another one. <laughs> I just do the, I just do the tea on Wayne. Like, mm -hmm, every time. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, no, it was cold. Yeah, and that's how it all happened, you know? We played it for a few friends. We tested it. We tested the waters with a few friends. We were like, oh, yeah, you guys definitely have to release this. But what's funny is that that was 2020. That was November 2020. Wow, the song's just coming years. out 2020. I know. Wow. We're lazy, man. <laughs> but we've been, the last two years, we've just been sort of like making music and building up a catalog to just sort of like release. So we've got like singles just ready to go now. Okay. Because like, you've got a series run ready. Yeah, we've yeah, got yeah, like a series. Yeah. Trust me, like you were talking about 250 podcasts, like you, that you've done or something else. Not we, yet, not yet. 200, yeah. bro. So 200. 200, 200. But still, like that's how it is. We've just got that in the hard drive, in the locker. We've got singles ready to go, man. So like, that's what it was like. So um, we shot the video in London. You know, we got our friends around. You know, if you saw, if anyone's yeah. looking at the video, they seen like, it's us and our mates on a boat. And so it's like, yeah, no, it was vibes. Like, the, even the video was natural vibes. It wasn't like a video where it's like telling people to act. Like, oh, yeah, do this, do this. People were just having fun. And you just we were just moment. capturing yeah, people having that. fun yep. and stitch that together as a video. Like... Yeah. Yo, yeah. I liked your qualifier. You were like, I did not catch any wines in the making yeah. of this video. <laughs> I had to just make that clear because, like, obviously, my girl's watching the video. And <laughs> just had to make that clear in it. Like, yo, babes, like, listen, I didn't catch no wines. Uh, Mum was doing it like a petter vid. <laughs> no wines, no wines were caught in the Mas making just, of this video. <laughs> just standing still in the video, like. But let's, yeah, let's reflect then on this music journey, Toby. So, as a final question, doing it as long as you have and the time that you have. What has it taught you about yourself? It's taught me that I'm stronger than I think I am. Is every time I felt like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. This isn't going anywhere. Um, I've hit a ceiling. I can't go any further than this. I go through that tough breakdown that life does. Life beats me down only to like build me back up stronger. Like, you know, I come back a better producer. I come back a better engineer. I come back a better artist, songwriter every time. So I think one thing it's really taught me is that I'm stronger than I think I am. And I think it's also taught me that this thing is for life. Like if you're going to do something, put all your heart and soul into something for it to be worthwhile. Like my mom always used to say to me, if you're going to do something, if you're ever going to do something, do it well. Like there's no point doing something half-heartedly. So like, if you're ever going to do something, do it with all your heart. I think that's what it's really taught me. It's really taught me patience as well. Sticking with something. Like I used to get bored easily. Even with like food, I'd be like, I eat something once, I don't want to eat it again for the next six months. So like music is the one thing that I never got bored of. I stuck with, I'm still sticking with. And 10 years from now, I, I will still be like doing it. I'm so sure of that. We've talked all about your music journey, Toby. Let's go behind the mic and talk about your own mental health journey. So I ask all my special guests this question first. Walk me through early life, childhood, teenage years, and looking back, were there any early mental health experiences you can pinpoint? Who's the Toby we meet here? Uh, I think I'd start with the earliest, or like my first real experience of mental health issues, I would say was my childhood best friend. I feel like when he passed away, that was really, when I was like, damn, okay. How old were you and what year was that? That was 2014. Okay. So he passed away 2014, about two weeks or so, almost two weeks before my birthday 
2014. How old would I have been? <laughs> 1994, 2014, 20, 20. Okay. Yeah, something like that. 19, 20, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I think that was like my real first experience of, wow, okay. I've heard a lot about depression. Never really experienced it before. This is the first time. Because I think as I mentioned earlier when we talked briefly about it, he was such a inspirational figure for me because like he was also really into his music. Actually, he was the one who gave me a lot of confidence and the zeal to actually like take on music and take it seriously because he was just so passionate about it and he was just so like he had this unwavering optimism about his life about his future about where he wanted to go with it and he was a kind of person that was like he had blind faith in himself and I feel like for anyone to be successful, honestly, you've got to have blind faith in you've yourself. You've got a little man. bit at least. You've yeah. Got, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Of, but honestly, blind faith will take us. Blind faith will make you do things that you didn't think you could do or you were capable of. That Chasing State song was written for him. Yeah, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> yeah. So like he had that. And honestly, it was really inspiring. So um, I think when he passed away in 2014, I think that was like a real like, whoa. Someone that I, I would say was a pivotal or like a foundational part of me starting out my music career is now gone did you feel your own mortality in that moment i really did i felt like life was do you know what i think is um, now i look back i'm just like oh, there's things i felt afterwards like oh life is really short you have to really go for what you want because listen you never know but at that moment i wasn't even really thinking about that i don't even know what i was thinking i think my head was really fuzzy that was the first time i felt like brain fog i felt fuzziness i'd never felt anything like that before just like fuzziness and like lack of focus during the day i'll be in my lectures not focusing i'd just be thinking about it and i think that was like the first step of like yeah you know shit mental health man mm. this shit gets you man. Mm. <laughs> this is really gonna break you down that was i feel like that's not was abstract like, it's real to me now yeah, yeah 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 you know you know you only ever hear about you know there's been no history of mental health issues in my family as far as i knew of i didn't know anyone in my family who'd been through depression so actually going through it was whoa you know and it's not as easy to talk about as you would think outside looking of course, in, you know mm. and i think you know i was i was used to i'm not always like but i just before it happened to me i used to think oh you know that person you'd, you'd hear someone commit suicide or something and you'd be like oh you know if that person only had someone to talk to this wouldn't have happened but it's not always about that you know it's like that person may have people to talk to but the conversation itself may not be easy to talk about and i think that's that's where we really need people to can't start. stare at the pain for too long man most people can't do it it's why you know i'm not unique but i've done 41 episodes on grief i've been able yeah. to stare at the pain for a long time and yeah you find that when people speak about grief and they say, oh, eventually the phone calls dropped off and eventually the check-ins dropped off. Mm. And a lot of people can be quite frustrated by that mm. who have experiencing the grief. But mm. uh, Simon Thomas, who's a Sky Sports owner, wrote in his book that his therapist told him people can only stare at the pain for so long yeah. before yeah. they find it too painful themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 And the thing is, yeah, you don't realise it affects other people. It's. Um, I saw something the other day. I was reading a book. I was in a bookstore and I saw, I saw a quote. It was like... um. Hurt people, hurt people. And people who are healing, heal people. So I remember when I was, in 2017, I was, I was going through the depression. I remember how it kind of affected my girlfriend at the time. Mm. And how she tried to love the pain out of me. Even though it wasn't her job. And, you know, 
it's not a burden you, you can put on someone or you should put on someone. I wasn't knowingly putting it on her, but obviously she was trying to love all that pain out of me and she couldn't. And it eventually like broke down our relationship and, and you know, and it broke it to pieces. And it's just kind of looking back now, I look at how she stuck through so much. Because at the time I was just going through my shit. So I really didn't have the capacity to think of what other people were going through and account of me. But looking back now, I look at how much that would have put her through. Mm. And seeing how much she had to take on account of me and just seeing how me being hurt was also hurting her and projecting out you know yeah, projecting yeah. without even knowing man like no some of this it's not even on purpose do you get me like it's yeah i would say 2014 leading up until 2017 where you know it finally came crashing down you know i had to really like take a step back seek help do things you know to sort of actually make or like at least start a journey towards trying to feel better yeah. let's go back to the grief if we can before we talk more yeah. in depth about that breakdown because i want to just discuss without revealing too many details mm. what are your favorite memories of your time together with him everything but do you know what because i don't know if i told you that we were literally born in the same hospital when i say oh this is my childhood best friend since birth i li- i mean it literally, literally like birth, literally yeah. my mom and his mom met in the hospital I don't know if they made plans. I don't know if that was planned. It must have been planned. Both of us to go to the same nursery school together. We went to the same primary school together. We went to the same high school together. Until like sixth form. When he moved, he moved away. And yeah, so honestly, all my memories of him were just... Just fond memories, you know? Just the fondness of having a friend. But I feel like the most important memories are when he and I both picked up music, I feel like that's when I really realized because when you're young, you just look at your best friend as your best friend. You may not really start contemplating life and stuff, but it's when he started doing music and I was doing music that I really started to contemplate, yo, this guy is so important to me in my life. It's not really just about the fact that I've had this friend since I was four or three years old. Like it's not even about that. Now it's the fact that this guy pushes me, you know, Watching him work, watching him work on his music, on his songwriting, on you raise his your levels. Belief. Yeah, you know, mm. he made me want to challenge myself. Go for like, I remember like literally the day before he passed away, we were like sharing each other's like work. Like I was showing him like a private link to my SoundCloud of like stuff I was working on, and he 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 showed me links in his SoundCloud. We were talking on Facebook Messenger, and I was like, "Yeah, bro, that's really cool." Giving him feedback, he was giving me feedback, and it was like, "Oh, I, ha- I have to go now. I've got to go do." blah 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 whatever and I was like oh, yeah I'll speak to you later bro not knowing that I'll speak to you later that was the last time like you would never speak to him again and that that speak to him like 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 it's so crazy I'm thinking about it now it's just like yeah I'll talk to you later bro like I go back sometimes and I look at the message from 2014 I'm just like yeah I'll talk to you later bro it's just like yo if I had known at that time when I said I'll talk to you later it was actually that was actually the last time I was gonna talk to him like it's crazy like I would have actually said to him bro listen you don't realize that you being so passionate about your music has pushed me to be so passionate. Like I never ever told him that. I hope he knew. You know, I think he did. I hope so. Mm. But I never actually said it to him. That like, listen, because like, I just because we just weren't like that. We mm. never we never really had. We never like DMCs stopped. weren't there. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. We never stopped and gave each other flowers. But we just knew. You know, it's not one of those things. But I wish I had actually Unspoken. said it. Yeah. I wish yeah. I'd actually said that. Listen, bro. Like, if not for you chasing your dreams, I don't think I would have been brave enough. Or I would have been focused enough to chase mine. So thank you for doing you. So yeah, I think that's the one thing I would, I would say if I could 
say mm. you know that again you got a tattoo of him i on do right forearm. i do on my right forearm right here <laughs> right there for the listeners so it's just right. below your bracelet that you're wearing so yeah halfway up your forearm yeah yeah i can imagine that could be if you weren't careful quite a permanent trigger so how is it not a trigger how is it a reminder this is interesting this is interesting so as actually interesting because his name my name happens Tobai Frey exists because he exists, bro. Let's put it that way. So his name, as you can see here, is spelt differently. Frey mm-hmm. there is spelt differently to how mm-hmm. I spell Frey. But that's the reason. I remember when he passed away. In my mourning process, I was like, okay. I'm actually really surprised. I don't think back that I'm really surprised I was able to have this outlook so early in the grieving process. I had this outlook of, okay, you weren't able to complete your journey. I'm going to be successful for the both of us. Like, to buy a freight isn't just that. It's now about both of us. Whatever I succeed is ours, bro. Like, you couldn't finish your journey on Earth, so I'm going to do it for both of us. Like, and that's why that is there. Because every time I think about giving up, every time I, that, I look at that and I go, I can't give up. It's not just about me. I'm doing this for him. He couldn't realize his dream. He couldn't finish it. I'm going, I'm doing this for both of us. Every time I look at that, it's not even a sort of trigger. It's a, uh, anytime I'm feeling down and I feel like, oh, I don't have the energy to... Bro, like, I look at that, I'm like, nah, bro, listen, get back up, bro. <laughs> you got dreams to chase, bro. You got things to do. And I feel mm-hmm. like, I don't know how I was able to have that sort of, because most people would just grieve and would just like break down and would just tear like themselves apart. I don't know how I was able to have that sort of mindset so early whilst grieving in the thing. So, but I'm happy I did because you're so right it could be the exact opposite it could have been a trigger more than anything it could be something that i want to forget but no man it's not i think what happened just makes it so much more important for me to make sure that i live my life to the fullest and i do everything that i can i possibly can in life because like life is short and there are people sadly who didn't get to do what they wanted to do so don't you ever take every moment that you're breathing for granted like because <laughs> mm. you're lucky you don't realize you're lucky if you're breathing you're lucky do you get me because of that tattoo mm. do you feel like his spirit is in you rather than around you do you know what my mom says because my mom's I, i'm really religious i come from a religious family like you know christian family and my mom says that because i told her oh in my dream i see him in my dream sometimes i have conversations she's like listen you have to let him go blah blah she says oh it's not always a good thing to be talking to spirits or to be talking to souls. And I'm just like, nah, mom, it's not that way. Trust me. It's not like, mom, she's, she thinks I'm hanging on. And I think that's just her because she's really, she's, she's really spiritual stuff. And she really takes dreams seriously. She takes into in the interpretation of dreams seriously. Like I do as well. But you're so right when you say spirit is with me. Like it's true because since the situation, I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but we've had dreams in dreams or encountering or talking. I'm telling you my plans you know is he responding sometimes most times he's just listening most times he's just listening was that your was that your friendship when he was alive or was he just was he more it was as crazy as me man (laughs) nah he was like both of us in a room would tie you out like we were both as crazy as each other we were both as energetic as like causing trouble as much as each other man all i've got in my head is like black jedward yeah (laughs) 
literally, bro. But more, obviously Black more talented. General. Obviously more talented. Hey, <laughs> just that Gen- energy Gen- level. Shedwood is somewhere right now shaking their fists. This is his podcast. Like, what did he say, bro? What did, does he want some? <laughs> um, yeah, no, like, so definitely I feel it. I feel like he is with me. He's like watching. Like, I hope he's proud. I hope he sees that what I'm doing. You know, I hope he sees that what I'm doing is like not just for me. Like, it's for us, man. Yeah. So I, I definitely feel it sometimes because those dreams, they feel so vivid. They feel so strong that, mm. listen, this is not a dream, man. I'm, I'm definitely communicating here. But my mom's like, oh, no, listen, let him go. You shouldn't be having dreams like that. I'm like, mom, chill. It's cool, man. You don't know. You're not a bro, man. You don't know what's going on. We are bros. But yeah, like she feels my pain because obviously like many people, she is lost. She knows what it's like to lose friends. So she knows, she understands what I'm going through as well. You know, bless her. She tried to be as supportive as she could. Let's fast forward to that breakdown you had because my favorite quote you said to me off air was this my world needed to collapse so i could pick up the pieces and put together a new self absolutely who was the new self you created uh tobiah frey who is grateful for everything i would say gratitude is like my mission statement it's what i live by now i'm grateful for everything if i have a bad day i'm grateful for it if i have a good day i'm grateful for it I'm grateful for waking up. I'm grateful. And the thing is, before, you know, like I said, my world had to collapse and I wasn't grateful. I would complain about things going wrong. I would complain about whatever injustices. I would complain about things not going right in my life. I would complain about my music. I'd complain about everything. But I think after rediscovering myself, birthing a new self, having the experiences that I had in order to become the person I am now, I'm so grateful for everything even the pain as much as like it's, it's not something journey, that, bro yeah. it's not as much as it's something i really obviously i don't want to go through again i don't want anyone to go through mm. i'm grateful because i'm also grateful because not everyone comes out the other end like mm. i came out man i'll be honest with you like it's, it's not i don't want to say it but it's true like i've seen some people go in and not come out the way i came out man I've seen some people come out absolutely defeated. I've seen some people not make it out. Mm. And so a lot of people not make it out. Yeah. And yeah. it's, 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 yo. So it's, it's like, I'm honestly grateful mm. to be able to live and tell. Your Phoenix has risen. Yeah, my Phoenix has a man like Dumbledore yeah. and hold of the Phoenix. Forks. Like. Man like Forks. <laughs> how, how brightly has it burned? How, <laughs> It had to, do you know, like, it's not even just burn. It's it. It had to explode into mm. life. You know what I'm saying? But I, it's, it's, I feel like that's what it is. I feel like it's, it exploded into life because it's down in the dumps, man. Mm. <laughs> it's really down in the dumps. And so, like, it's, it's amazing when you realize that you are, your identity is not your mental health, first and foremost. And you're more powerful and you're stronger than you think you are. And your mind is also stronger than you think it is. And it's beautiful when you finally realize that. Because when you realize that, your demons don't scare you. Do you get me? Like, your demons are like... You own your shit. You, you get me? You own your shit. You're like, yo, you coming like, your demons walk one. I'm here, bro. <laughs> Do your worst. Like, I'm here. So, uh, it's really amazing when you discover that about yourself because it's just like, yo, I feel like I can walk through fire. I feel like I can go through anything now because, Mm. yo, what hasn't life thrown at me? Like, (laughs) man's been slapped up, beat down. (laughs) What hasn't life thrown at me? So Mm. we talked about self-acceptance as an artist. I want to briefly talk about self-acceptance as a person before we reflect and you touched on it a little bit there because 
you said to me that now, having gone through all of this, you are your superpower. Tell me what you meant by that. Absolutely. When I say you are your superpower, it's like a lot of people, they look in the mirror, all they see are their flaws. All they see are their scars, you know, all they see are their traumas. I don't know how else to put this. Like, listen, all those things right there that look ugly to you are absolutely what is beautiful about you. Because if you're here standing after all of that and you're still waking up in the morning, brave enough to face the day, Listen, that right there is a superpower, bro, because a lot of people can't actually do that. So if you're one of those people who have been able to do that, listen, it's a superpower because with that now, you can actually touch other people's lives. You can inspire people. My mom used to tell me, like, it's so important for you to go through whatever hardship you go through. And it's so important for you to chase whatever goal you're going through because you don't realize how many people are secretly needing you to succeed people are always looking for hope you don't realize that your story is a beacon of hope to someone else you might just think that oh you it's just you out here going through your mental blah 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 you don't know who you're going to meet or who has silently you know watched your story yeah or who has silently watched your story or who you're still going to meet who is going to be absolutely inspired by what you've been through or who's absolutely going to change their life around because they saw that you could do it so when i say oh yeah that's my superpower it's like absolutely is my superpower because i feel like life is all about us helping and healing each other i feel like that's what life should be about so if i'm here doing all these things and I can speak on it and I can inspire just one person or I can give just one person hope or I can just make one person hold on a bit longer, then listen, yo, that's, I'm a hero, bro. I'm a, I, I, I listen, put me in Endgame, bro. I'm a hero. I'm a Marvel <laughs> character. Do you get me? Like I'm saving someone. <laughs> like I may not have like a cape and tights, but like in my own way, I'm helping to save someone or I'm showing someone that salvation is possible kind mm. of thing so yeah man that's really what i meant let's reflect then on this mental health journey toby so a what has it taught you about yourself and b if you could go back to the toby who was grieving for that childhood friend in 2014 the toby who was suffering that mental health breakdown in 2017 and would have never considered coming on a mental health podcast <laughs> literally <laughs> or the toby who was figuring out how to create his own sound that wasn't a carbon copy of The Weekend's House of Balloons, what would you say to him, knowing what you do now? Oh, I feel like there's three Tobys there. <laughs> <laughs> there's three Tobys there. The Toby who was grieving for his friend in 2014, I'd tell him, you can overcome any amount of pain, no matter how painful. The 2017 Toby, whose world had to come crashing down, in order to build a new self, I'll tell him, listen, destruction is necessary for rebirth. This part, embrace it. You may think that you're back to square one. You are nowhere. No, believe me. Like, you've moved forward more now than you ever had before. Like, you've made more progress now. This breakdown is so important. Embrace it. And to the Toby who's discovering his sound... I would say to that guy, keep going. That process, you're almost there. You just need to hang on to this process. I know some days look foggier than most. Because that Toby, he had days where some days looked like his journey looked clear as day and some other days the path looked so foggy. I'll tell him, listen, just keep going. Even if you can't see, just keep pressing on because you're nearly 
where you want to be. Our final topic of conversation, Toby, and it's one I try and have with all of my special guests if we have time. It is a general natter and chat about our mental health. So firstly, how is your mental health, mate? <laughs> my mental health is better than it's been. Um, I'm aware. I'm aware when I'm about to sink into low points. There's habits I notice before I'm about to sink. That's when I tell myself, okay, pull back, take a break. When I notice that I'm uh, being easily irritated by anything or anything, even the people I love, my girlfriend, friends, when I notice that I'm in the studio working on music, but I'm not getting joy, little things like that, it usually means I'm overworking myself or I'm setting or I probably just set a goal or, it, or an unrealistic expectation that I shouldn't have to hold myself accountable to. So I'm happy like I notice triggers now that I stop myself before I get to a low point. I try not to burn out overworking myself. Anytime I'm setting myself that, oh, I have to do this by this time. I stop doing timestamps. Obviously with things like projects and stuff, like obviously, yeah, you need like, a, you need to have something done by a certain date. Like that's understandable. But when I'm setting myself some kind of, personal goal or something and I'm, I'm giving it a timestamp. I don't do it because then I notice the low points start to creep in mm. uh, those things trigger me and I don't do that in my process I just pull back take a break come back with a fresh head and crack on tell me about the first conversation you had with someone about your mental health so who was it with what did you say and did it feel like on the one hand a big moment or a big burden or weight had been lifted off your shoulders or on the other did it feel like something quite easy insignificant and normal to do the first conversation I had was with my girlfriend at the time, now ex. Um, it was during our breakup. I told her, listen, I'm not okay. You're probably suffering for it as well. I can see you suffering for it. You're probably not happy either, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, it was the first time I actually said I'm not okay. I'd never said that phrase before, I'm not okay. So when I said that, obviously her being the most understanding, loving person, she was still there for me. She was just like, oh no, we don't have to break up. It's fine. But, but she was still even still trying to hang on. I was like, listen, this is not about you or anything you've done. I feel like I need this. There is no way that I can bring love to this relationship if I can't bring love to myself first. Like, allow me, please, to figure my life out. Was that powerful to say out loud? It was powerful to say out loud because, you know, you do things in your head, man. But like, there's a power of manifestation. Like, guys, I'm not even just saying, say your problems out loud, man. But also say your dreams out loud because hearing them out loud is way like them being said into the universe is way different than it being in your head. You know, something is in your head, but believe me, when you say it out loud, you actually hear it. It's so powerful, man. Mm. It's so powerful. So, yeah, when I said it out loud, the entire weight wasn't lifted off my shoulders because I still needed, do you know what I'm saying? I still needed therapy. That's the first I, step. Yeah. yeah, it's the first. I still needed to talk to a professional, blah, blah, blah. But saying it to someone who loved and cared for me and wanted the best for me and seeing her reaction and response was so it was yeah it was a first step in terms of a little bit of the burden felt like it'd come off you know mm. you've spoken about triggers mate so what tools and methods which are positive do you use in your own life to improve your mental health so which ones have worked and maybe which ones that you've tried but haven't gratitude <laughs> I, said, I said that that was i literally said that that was my mission statement gratitude i felt like a lot of my triggers came from 
not realizing the blessings I already have around. So anytime, like I said, I can feel myself going into like a low point. I stop, I take a deep breath for one minute and then I start to count my blessings. I start thanking God for like the fact that I woke up this morning. I thank God for my family. My best friends are all alive. My girlfriend is alive. My brother and sister, they're alive. I thank God for my ability to make music. I thank God that I see it as a gift and I don't take it for granted. I thank God that I see my purpose and I have a purpose. Like a lot of people go through life, they don't know what their purpose is and it makes them sad. Like they're still trying to figure out their purpose. I'm thankful that I figured out mine and I see it as clear as day. But when I take a minute or two minutes to just stop and count my blessings, I feel a lot better. That's like one big thing for me, gratitude. So when I just be grateful for those things, it helps me realign myself. It's like my North Star. Mm. <laughs> That's, you know, I feel like everyone, mm-hmm. anyone, any of us, mm-hmm, any of us who've been through this know that you kind of need like a North Star to just keep Your you grounded. purpose. Yeah. 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 Not even a purpose. Not The purpose isn't a North infinite Star. Infinite direction. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Gratitude is like my North Star. Yeah. Once, I'm, once I stop and I, I'm grateful for everything, all my other worries go away. Comparison, worrying about whatever, anxiety, all of this expectations I've set myself they're like oh I should have this by this time all of those things they slowly just fade into the black you know Mm. I know they'll be back you know because they you know it never really goes away I know they will come back but every time I just know that every time I stop I take a deep breath and I'm saying okay what am I thankful for what is the best book or as I call it mental health bible you've read for your mental health now it can be mental health or self-help related but it doesn't exclusively have to be it's not even a mental health book. It's actually an audio book. Okay, yeah, yeah. By all means. It's All In Your Head. That's the name of the audio book. It's All In Your Head. I think It's All In Your Head it realigned me. It helped me to understand my position in this world and my position as an artist, my position as a creative. And it helped me to align myself whenever I felt like I was feeling lost as an artist. I was feeling lost in the process. I was feeling lost as a person. There's so many things when like hearing that audio book could just brings me back to like oh boom this is who you are this is what you're doing this is why you're doing this mate like crack on take it easy on yourself you're doing your best you know that's all that's all you can do really Mm. all you can do is your best you can't do more than that and if you feel like your best isn't good enough be kind to yourself because you will get better do you get me like it's all about patience and being it's all about being patient with yourself and as a final question mate and this is a broad one so you can answer it any way you want what more do you think we have to do to ensure men from all backgrounds, all walks of life, feel comfortable, feel safe in opening up about their mental health issues or just their general mental health, if most importantly, they want to do it. Where do I start, man? There's a lot of things we, we could do. Like, I mean, everyone that says, oh, let's be more comfortable with talking to each other. I feel like it's, it, it, goes, it goes a bit more than that because like, yeah, we can talk to each other, but you can check in and you know eventually you start checking in less and then people sink back into their lives focusing on a do you know i feel like we okay we live in a capitalist system where it's all about oh you must have dreams you must have goals you must have this you must have that and i feel like because of that people are so focused on trying to figure out their own lives that sometimes because of that we then don't check in on the people we love as much as we should i feel like we need to first break away from society's expectations of us when we stop being so focused on this whole like 
capitalist consumerism like the rat race yeah yeah exactly when we stop focusing on the rat race and focus on what we want to be and what we want to achieve in our lives not what society says we should achieve by this age or blah 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 when we achieve that healthy balance it will be a lot easier to do whatever work it is we're working on do whatever dreams it is we're working on and check in on our friends have conversations be vulnerable and be comfortable with being vulnerable because i say all these things but even i too sometimes i forget to check in on my friends it's been a while i'm like human man yeah Yeah. you get me because uh, that's because yeah i'm focused on the grind i'm speaking against the rat race but the thing is i'm jimmy i'm I'm, this is a problem of future me i am future me (laughs) (laughs) i'm programmed to this rat race so i'm still out here like yeah i'm gonna i'm grinding bro i'm doing my work i'm working on my dreams i forget to check on my friends and then I go back, oh crap, I need to check on this person. I haven't spoken to them in a while. Let me check on them kind of thing. I'm still figuring out the balance. We're all human. We're all still figuring out the balance. But when we move away from what society wants us to do and focus on what we actually want to do and not what society ex- expects of us, only then can we figure out the balance between a healthy work lifestyle and a healthy you know, personal life lifestyle and communication and opening up and being more vulnerable and society can do a lot with making men be more comfortable in being vulnerable you know mm. and on that note to buy Frey, thank you so much bro for coming on behind the mic for coming on just checking in podcasts and talking to me thank you this has been such a pleasure i'm so happy at this i've been looking forward to this for weeks thank you man thank you you're doing amazing work with your podcast series and everything like you're literally doing work that is needed for humanity so Thank you, man. Well, that's all we've got time for on this episode of Behind the Mic. I want to say a big thank you to my mate, Tobias Frey, for being my special guest on this episode and for letting me go Behind the Mic with him. That new single of Toby's we discussed, The Way You Do, will play us out and I'll put all of his streaming links and social media links in the show notes as usual. As always, I'll sign us off by saying thank you to all the vendors who tuned into this episode. If you've liked what you've heard, please give it a share on social media. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. Write us a review and five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you like what we're doing, you can support our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash eventhelpuk. If you don't want to do that, you can make a one-off donation to our GoFundMe or you can buy a vent tee or hoodie or whatever you want at our merch site. That is on Redbubble and on our Linktree. Or, as well, please do buy a ticket to the next Just Checking In Live, which is Just Checking In Live number four, and that is coming on Saturday, October 15th, so very, very little under a month away, almost. Stay tuned for the next episode of Behind the Mic, and remember, guys, it is always okay to vent. Storm's coming, guess I'm better than your X-Men huh. I'm about to have you in my mansions See, I got a thing for pretenders So won't you show me what I'm missing uh. Slow white rotation Show me your loving Waistline amazing Come get me something If you were my love and I Called you up sometime Would you come to me? you come to me If finally you're done and I Tell you all the lies That you stay the night We can play all night
I'm in the mood for your waistline Come into my room, you know it's time Bad bees on my line, but I won't try I'm only on you, I'm only on you If you were my love and I Called you up sometime, would you come? 